Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a stream I think you're really going to enjoy today. This is going to be part of the kind of the series I've been doing where we look at something, a piece of propaganda, uh, a debate, uh, some something where the left, a progressive, is talking about an issue, they're presenting something, and we're going to break down how they do it, why they do it, what kind of language they're using, what kind of rhetoric they're using, and how we can identify these tactics, understand why they're using the different uh, approaches that they're using when they're talking about this issue. Now, you probably have seen a clip of this. This is the interview that Jon Stewart did uh, last week. It went kind of viral a little bit. Everyone was talking about, uh, you kind of got both sides of this. Uh, a lot of progressives thought this was an amazing display. This is Jon Stewart just dunking on people, destroying people, wrecking some dumb uh, chud from the, from the middle of nowhere, a Republican who didn't know he's talking about, just a masterful cross-examination uh, showing Jon Stewart's brilliance. On the other side, you had people on the right saying, look, this guy obviously pivoted. This guy obviously avoided the stuff that he was supposed to be talking about. He was using a lot of deceit in this. And so I kind of wanted to go over it because I think there's a lot of really interesting points in this that we can kind of pick apart. We can break down the game film and we can understand the way that Jon Stewart does this. Now, before we get into it, a couple things here. First, John Stewart is really famous at this point for this clown nose on, clown nose off tactic, right? Uh, you know, I like a lot of people when I was young, I was, you know, I was in high school when John Stewart kind of started to get big with The Daily Show. I remember him making fun of the, the Bush Gore election where Bush appealed to the Legion of Doom and Al Gore had to appeal the decision to, you know, the, the Hall of Justice or whatever, the Super Friends. And, you know, I, I understood that he was kind of biased at the time, but it was still funny. It was, it was the beginning of this edutainment type stuff that we see so much today where people kind of represent themselves as half comedians, half news presenters, uh, half journalists type scenario. I understand I just listened three things there, so it should probably be in thirds, but you know where I'm going with this. And so Stewart is really famous for playing this game where you know, he'll talk about all the important things. He'll talk about very serious subjects, but he's a comedian, right? He did legitimately start out as a comedian. Uh, and so he'll do this thing where at some point he's he's making fun of stuff, but then he's also, he'll get on a soapbox and make really serious points, very, very important points. And then the minute someone kind of points out a logical fallacy or talks about how he's not really taking certain data pieces or things seriously, he'll retreat back to his comedian stance. Oh, I'm just a clown. Clown knows on, man. I'm just I'm just uh, this this guy who's, who's cracking jokes. It's not serious. Don't take it too seriously. But the minute then someone says, oh, okay, well, it's comedy, he immediately then runs rushes back out and starts laying the smack down when it comes to his political opinions. This is something that's very common now. It's almost routine at this point. It's incredibly old and people should really be able to see through it. Now, Stewart, of course, stepped away from The Daily Show and it's cratered ever since. I don't know anybody who watches that thing at this point. He's got this new show and he's talking, he's basically doing the exact same shtick. I don't know why he quit in the first place if you're just going to go back to doing the same thing. Except now it's even less funny. Like, at least at many points during The Daily Show, you could say that Stewart was legitimately funny, if even if he's incredibly dishonest and biased. He at least made an attempt at, at being funny. In this, he's really just doing a far more 
serious version where he occasionally cracks a joke but for the most part he's just parroting liberal orthodoxy at every moment you know he's one of these people who's talked uh, you know out of both sides of his mouth on one side he'll say oh wokeness is bad it's killing comedy people are being censored but then he'll immediately do one of these shows where he acknowledges every tenet of wokeness where he embraces every aspect of it and so he's really just doing this really this sad thing where he's kind of dragging the end of his career and just acquiescing to every bit of kind of the new woke vanguard of the left while not really standing for anything at the end of the day. Now, he is, of course, famous during The Daily Show for doing these gotcha interviews, right? Grabbing people and and uh, even when he had somewhat formidable opponents, even when he had these opportunities where he was talking to people who were a little more complicated, he was well known for aggressively editing these things. He would cut out any point at which he was uh, embarrassed, any uh, any time in which uh, he you know made a mistake, and they would make sure to represent it in a very particular light. So at this point, really, all conservatives should know better. Like everyone on the right should know not to walk into this blender, right? Like John Stewart has done this time and time and time again. And so you really should know better than to walk into an interview where he can control everything. He's got the editing power. He's got the discretion over what actually sees the light of day. And he makes sure that you're never really going to see anything that casts him in bad light. And he's going to cut this thing to make sure that you're embarrassed. That said, there's probably a reason that he has to talk to an uh, Oklahoma state senator at this point, right? Like, there are, of course, many great state senators out there, you know, but in general, state senators not exactly uh, some kind of amazing high point for, like, debating ability. Rhetoric is not the first thing that most uh, state senators are into. He couldn't get, like, a national senator. He's, he's not talking to anyone, you know, anyone of, you know, great standing on the national stage he's got to kind of cherry pick the one guy in oklahoma who doesn't understand how john stewart does this and kind of walks right into it so to you know i'm sure this guy you know nathan don he's probably a nice guy he probably has the best of intentions felt like he kind of knew what he was talking about and had the force of argument and said i'm just going to step into this thing and kind of had a, a discussion and win people over with facts and logic we're going to see he's not the best debater and but I don't want to focus on that so much we will point out the things where you know he didn't he didn't do the best he could have done things differently but what I really want to focus on is the way that Stewart boxes him in the way he uses framing and language to control what uh what the state senator is saying and where this goes so that said let's go ahead and jump in a little bit we'll watch a little bit of this and then we'll kind of break down each part of it as they talk I'm a strong proponent of the Second Amendment. Uh -huh. I believe the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh -huh. That's the one right that's listed in the Constitution that uses that very specific shall affirmative language, you know, shall not be well, infringed. Oh, it's also then. the one right that uses the, the phrase well-regulated. Correct, when it's talking about the militia and the state. So, uh -huh. By the way. So, oh, sorry, I'll get this last part no, in just here. Just for clarity's sake. Yeah. I'm not against the Second Amendment. So for clarity's sake, John Stewart is 100% against the Second Amendment. Okay, so right off the the bat, He's going to kind of set this tone where I'm not a crazy guy. I, I am I am the voice of reason. I am the voice of order. You'll see him use that word a lot here, which is going to be hilarious later on. I'm the voice of of the of the calm and reasonable person. And I'm I'm not against the Second Amendment. I'm not coming for your guns, even though he's regularly going to make a case at every opportunity that the state should be coming for people's guns, uh, that that the control of this should be absolute by the state in every 
uh, aspect. So he's right off the bat completely just lying. He's manipulating. He's setting his audience. He's setting the tone to say, I'm the reasonable guy. I'm not totally against this, even though functionally I'm going to argue against kind of everything about the Second Amendment, including its basic text, right? So he jumps in here and says, uh, oh, well, it does say, you know, a well-regulated militia. Well, if John Stewart is against, is for the Second Amendment in the idea that like people should be able to own firearms, then the argument he's making right there is void, right? Because people who cite that part of the Second Amendment, the, that there should be a well-regulated militia, are usually citing it specifically for the purpose of saying individuals should not be able to own firearms. So the Second Amendment does not secure the individual right to own a firearm. Now, a lot of you know how I feel about how well constitutional rights protect us in certain situations. But either way, in the context of this argument of, of, of constitutional amendments and their ability to protect, John Stewart is clearly coming down right away on the side of actually the Second Amendment doesn't guarantee the right for an individual to have firearms, and then immediately following up with, but I'm for the Second Amendment. I'm not against it. Like, well, yes, you are. Like, either you think the Second Amendment secures people the right to own a firearm, or you don't. You don't really have this gray area where actually the Second Amendment meant only a regulated militia should be able to own a firearm. Therefore, the state can do whatever it wants with firearms. Or the Second Amendment meant for the individual to have firearms in case they needed to form a well-regulated militia. And therefore, the individual has the right. It's one or the other. You can't just sit here and play this game. But of course, he starts off right at the bat, very dishonest with how he's approaching this issue. I'm not again. I don't want to ban guns, but you're. Yes, he does. He totally wants to ban guns again. We'll we'll see multiple times in 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 every many different ways that he's fully for uh, banning guns. But we'll continue here. You're saying more guns makes us more safe. Yes. So when. So this is a mistake, obviously, from Nathan Dom. Okay, so first thing, he lets his opponent frame his position. And he lets opponent, his opponent frame his position in a very uh, easy-to-manipulate way. The phrase that more guns make us safe is not the actual argument, or at least it really shouldn't be the argument for individual gun ownership, right? The point is not that more guns make us safe. That's not what most proponents of the Second Amendment are actually arguing. What they're arguing is that the individual has a right to self-defense. And the individual's right, natural right to self-defense supersedes the state's ability to secure their, you know, to, to, to take their property, to, to ban them from usage, uh, and to otherwise interfere with that action. If that right requires more guns, which it probably does if an individual is going to own a firearm for protection, then that's fine, but what's not? In, but but it's not an argument of just more guns make us safe. There's not some specific tonnage at which we acquire enough weapons in the United States, and all of a sudden everybody is more safe. I'm sure that this is what that that state senator meant, but because he immediately allows uh, Stewart to frame this discussion in this way, you'll see Stuart come back and beat him over the head with that framing multiple times. And because he doesn't push it back at against the beginning and he doesn't actually uh, instead say, stop, no, I have something else that I want to posit as like the actual thing I'm contesting. He just allows Stuart to completely run over him every time he brings it up. We got 400 million guns in the country. We had an increase and gun deaths went up. So when exactly does this curve hit? 
that takes it down. Would a billion guns do it? Let's just run those. So this is another dishonest thing from Stuart, right? He says there's an increase in guns and crime goes up. Actually, that's not the case. Uh, there are plenty of situations where the number of guns total in the United States have increased and crime went down. Uh, it, it, sometimes an increase of guns has coincided with a reduction in crime. Sometimes an increase in guns has coincided with an increase of crime. Uh, guns have in ownership in America has generally just increased. And so during, in general, that's been a general trend of the United States. And so as gun ownership has gone up, sometimes crime has gone down, sometimes crime has gone up. So you could say either way, that gunnership increase has reduced crime or increased crime. It's not a it's not a direct correlation. And so him just sitting here and saying, well, at some point, gun ownership went up and crime went up too. So therefore, guns cause crime in and of themselves, in, you know, independent of the users, the people owning them, any the, the laws uh, applied, other gen general uh, criminal justice reforms. That's incredibly dishonest. He knows this, of course, but. You know, the, that's the great thing about statistics, especially statistics in the middle of a debate like this. You just throw them out there and nobody's prepared. No one actually has anything. This is why statistics are usually just generally useless in the middle of like a, uh, a debate as it's happening, because no one actually has the time to go back and fact check this, correct all this stuff. Yeah, maybe you've got, you know, Ben Shapiro leveling out like 19 binders worth of statistics. But even then, it's just people who are going to argue over the efficacy of the statistics. The point is, Stewart is just completely manipulating the framing of this to make it sound like, oh, well, we know it's an obvious and proven fact that every time we increase gun ownership, you know, gun deaths go up. It's not just not true. It's proven demonstrably false, right? Those numbers, you know, 400 million, 50,000. Uh -huh. You're talking about a less than a fraction of not even a percent of a hundredth of a percent. But it goes up, not down. So your argument is backwards. But if you want, okay, so so let's let's come up with a solution. Okay, so. So again, we know that that's not necessarily the case, right? And his point in, this is the point he's going to make over and over again. So this is the actual point that, uh, that the state senator is going to deliver is that it's the actions of the individual and not the uh, whether or not a gun control you know is there whether or not the gun itself exists which is going to actually drive the violence here uh, that's the point he's actually going to make but because he let John Stewart do this framing of more guns equals let uh, everyone safe Stewart's just going to go back to that over and over again he's completely going to ignore. The, any of the real arguments that Nathan is making, he's going to ignore any of the actual uh, points he's trying to make because he's not here to convince Nathan. And that's something you really need to understand as a conservative or a, a reactionary or anyone. When you're stepping into this arena, if you're going to step into an arena of public debate, remember that the person you're talking to is not your audience. They don't care. They showed up here to own you. John Stewart's TV show... I mean, come on, the, John Stewart's been doing this for decades, okay? You know the purpose of John Stewart's TV show. It's to make you look dumb. It's all he does. So if you're going to walk into this, you need to be prepared for that. You shouldn't come in here thinking, I'm going to change John Stewart's mind. Because John Stewart isn't interested in your mind. He's not interested in winning you over. He's interested in using you as a tool, a weapon in his uh propaganda advance okay so if you're going to step in here you if you're going to put yourself in the situation which you probably shouldn't not wise but if you're going to put yourself in the situation you have to approach it specifically with the goal of using the situation to to own john stewart's audience or create 
you know, controversy, create a clip that's going to win you something. And when you know John Stewart's going to have complete control of the editing, when he's going to have complete control of the frame, and his entire purpose is to kind of just drag you through the mud like this, it's just not a good situation to put yourself into. But if you're going to put yourself into it, you need to go into it with your eyes wide open. One of the issues, a contributing factor, again, I, I believe it's the individual that is the problem. So your solution to that is give them more guns. So, so you notice there, there's an edit. Uh, your solution there is to give them more guns. And then he just cuts to this. Now, we don't know what happened there. Maybe Nathan made a really good argument. Maybe he just paused and didn't know what to say. Maybe he talked about something else. But it's very clear we didn't get the whole story, right? We don't have the whole context for what's happening here. And this is, again, the problem. This is the dishonesty of what's going on here. We're not sure. We're not sure what happened. We're not sure what was actually said. We're not sure if we lost some kind of meaningful uh, point that was interjected or some, uh, some kind of transition that mattered here. We just know that Nathan moved on to an example of a solution, right? And so we don't know anything about how he responded to Stewart's uh, kind of very simple accusation there. I'm saying that because people are the problem, we need to look at the problems that those people are facing and how do we address it. But instance, you've removed the ability for the state to do that. No, because, because you're... If uh, you don't have background checks mm -hmm. and you don't have registration and permitting, how do you know who has a problem in terms of the people who you're giving a gun to? Do you want to... So here's what Stewart does. Um, he says that you've removed the state's ability to interfere with these situations. You say you want to take care of this. You want to stop uh, this violence, but you've removed the state's ability to do so. Two things there. One... Uh, he has not done that. He simply said that the state should, the, the only solution is not just take away people's guns, which is the only solution that Stewart ever uh, proposes throughout this entire thing. He just says, you want to give them guns, which is something that he never says, obviously. And, uh, and Stewart says, so basically Stewart's, uh, you know, reciprocal uh Solution is just take away their guns. That's the only solution he ever has in here. And so what he's complaining about is you have removed the state's opportunity to take away people's guns. So that's point one. Point two, Stewart is saying that you've removed the state's tools to stop this. I wonder what other tools Stewart would like the state to have. What other civil liberties, what other constitutional amendments Stewart would like the state to suspend? What else does he support? Does he support the Patriot Act? Is Stewart a big fan of stop and frisk, of profiling? What other tools of law enforcement would Stewart support, right? Is he going to close the border to shut down crime flowing over the border from drug cartels? You'll see the answer to that is going to be no later. And so actually Stewart doesn't support any of these tools. He doesn't actually care about what's available to these people. He doesn't actually care that the police have the tools necessary. He only cares that this particular tool, this particular thing he doesn't like is removed. And he doesn't really care about the constitutional amendment protecting it. He cares about the other constitutional amendments maybe, but he certainly doesn't care about the second one, even though he already framed himself as someone who isn't coming for people's guns, even though that's the only solution he has. And he frames himself as someone who isn't really against the Second Amendment, even though, again, it's the only amendment he seems really enthusiastic about violating in, uh, in, inter in the interest of order. But we'll see him talk about order here more in a second. Want to talk about the background checks first, or do you want to talk about solutions first? I want to talk about 
what you're doing is you're bringing chaos. Okay. So again, here, it looks like there's an edit. Again, I don't know what happened. Again, maybe it's just a legitimate thing. Looks like there might be an edit there. Anyway, the point is that, uh, you know, the state senator here, he says, do you want to talk about solutions? Do you want to talk about the background checks? What do you want to talk about? He's trying to focus the conversation. Everything is abstract right now. Everything is about feelings. Everything's about you're for giving people guns and I'm for saving children, right? And he says, no, let's nail this down. Let's talk about a specific thing. What does Stewart do? He immediately reframes, right? I don't want to talk about solutions and I don't want to talk about proposed issues here. I want to talk about feelings. I want to talk about chaos and order. I want to talk about you know, these loose terms that I can redefine at any moment. And this is, and to be fair to Stuart here, he is right about this tactic. Feelings win over facts. Sorry guys, but it's not facts over feelings. It's feelings over facts. And Stuart knows that appealing to his, uh, his audience's feelings about this issue is far more powerful than nailing down any particular policy about it. Right. And so that's what he's going to do. He's not going to ever specifically do anything but you know he's going to vaguely reference red flag laws or something he's going to vaguely reference the tools that the state needs but he's never going to get specific about any of this because specificity is a problem what he wants he wants to pump that feeling every single time because he knows it's a winning tactic so he's going to pivot away from any attempt to focus this conversation instead he's going to say you're an agent of chaos and i'm an agent of order to order that's your subjective opinion you, that it's bringing chaos to order. It's not my subjective opinion. We it have 50,000 gun related deaths. That's not a subjective opinion. So this is also really interesting here, uh, bringing chaos to order. So is John Stewart under the impression that what we have right now is order? <laughs> if it was if it wasn't just for these silly Republicans and their attempts to own guns that we would just have order. It's not Republicans. Well, actually, in some cases it is, sadly. But in general, it's not uh, Republicans pushing for letting violent, violent criminals out in the streets. It's not Republicans who are justifying the release of, uh, of these people and letting them be turned loose on unsuspecting victims. It's not Republicans who are pushing to normalize you know, violent race riots in the streets in response to a, you know, some policing video they don't like or some judicial decision they don't agree with. It's very clearly the left who are constantly keeping their supporters in a state of disorder, constantly trying to force disorder and narco tyranny onto the country. So the idea that it's, you know, if we just didn't have these you know, pesky Second Amendment, then order would suddenly, uh, you know, appear on our streets is just insane. He's not forcing chaos into order at all. What we have is chaos. Okay, so that's dead people. Let me, let me back up for a second. In every other place in your life, you want to bring order, but guns are the outlier for you. So let's start with immigration. You want registration, maybe a wall, maybe not a wall. Why do you want that? Well, one of the reasons is because the fentanyl crisis. All right, so a couple things here. First, obviously, he's using, we know where this is going, right? These are leading questions. We know where this is going. He's using the words registration. He's he's using these words because he specifically wants this guy to use, use the terminology that he thinks links himself to gun control and say, well, if you're for order in this situation, you should, with registration and everything, then you should also be in, you know, for order when it comes to the registration of guns or whatever. So a couple things. First, obviously, John Stewart doesn't care about the border. In fact, not only does he not care about the border, 
he's I, he's probably for these uh, for open borders amnesty all these things like these things I, i've not heard john stewart maybe, maybe i don't know maybe he turns out to be an amazing border hawk somewhere but i have never heard john stewart speaking about the importance of shutting down the border and i certainly have not heard him chastising democrats for being you know more than fine with his open border policies he's a hundred percent okay with this stuff it works both ways but he doesn't care because the rhetoric matches the thing he wants so he wants to hold his opponent to a standard and then apply that standard to the issue that he is addressing he's not going to hold himself to that issue he's not going to hold himself to that standard you, and you'll see here that nathan doesn't do something like come back at him and say, hey, well, then you're for closing the borders, right? You're for getting rid of all these illegal immigrants in the country. Since you're someone who's very pro-registration, you must be for ICE raiding every single area of the United States until every single illegal immigrant is registered and deported, right? Since you care so much about order, since you're so committed to order, or is it only this issue on which you care about order? And actually, you're more than fine with ignoring it in every other issue. But he doesn't do that. He lets Stewart control the frame the whole time. And you can see that by the way he eagerly jumps into the fentanyl crisis. Now, he's going to make legitimate points about this. And this is something that conservatives do all the time, right? I have a legitimate talking point. I have a legitimate interest here. So I'm going to ignore what my opponent just did, sidestepping the issue we're talking about and the leading questions that he's setting me up for, because I want to make a legitimate point here, except Stewart's already going to win this, right? Because he's already put you on the defensive. He's already led you down the path he wants you to go. He's already using the language that he wants you to use. And you're going to embrace it while you try to make your point to him. But he doesn't care about your point. What he cares about is securing your path down this road that will allow him to eventually pull this rhetorical rug out from under you. But rather than say, wait, hold on, why are we talking about this all of a sudden? I thought we were talking about gun control or rather than coming back and saying, you don't care about this issue. You're just using it to grandstand. You don't support any kind of actual registration or order in this issue. Instead of doing any of this and reframing, he just immediately jumps inside Stewart's frame and says, I know something about fentanyl. Fentanyl is bad and it hurts people, which he's totally right about. I'm going to pursue that instead. That's a big mistake. Right. I mean, okay. But and you don't know when it's coming across. So what do you but do? But the fentanyl crisis is twice what the gun death crisis is. Okay, so, so until the gun crisis gets no, to the fentanyl level, not until it's, you don't want to bring order. No. So again, th this works both ways, right? Stewart is Stewart closing the border? Is he is he ready to send the national guard down and wipe out the cartels to end the fentanyl crisis? It, I mean. If it if the stats here presented by the state or the uh, state senator are correct, then it is a, a much bigger problem. But Stewart isn't interested in solving that problem, and so he's going to say, "Well, until you're saying until we solve that problem, we can't solve this problem." Okay, but that works for you too, buddy, right? Like, you, and and so by the way, solving the problem that the state senator is talking about, the fentanyl crisis, would actually not infringe on anyone's constitutional right. So you want to solve a problem. And your only solution to solve it is the complete vacation of the Second Amendment, basically. But you don't want to solve a problem that has more deaths attributed to it. So if you're really talking about bring order, if you really care about that, why aren't you willing to solve the problem that doesn't affect anyone's constitutional right and has doubled the body count? But again, unfortunately, our state senator here is just... He's not up to stuff. It's And again, I'm sure he's a great guy. He probably is. He probably has all the best intentions here. But when you, when you walk in to somebody who's been doing this for decades, you got to bring more. 
you got to bring the fight. Okay. The winsomeness does not get you there. You need, if, if you're going to step into this situation, you're going to put yourself in this pocket. You need to be ready, ready to defeat and embarrass your enemy. You are locked in combat. You are not having a discussion. Stuart is not here to be honest. He's not an honest actor. He's not a, a interlocutor with which you will create some kind of consensus. He's here to embarrass you. And the only reason to show up is because you're going to do it to him first. Well, not until it, but, but do you see my talk, point? If we're going to talk about protecting lives, that's a larger issue in uh -huh. America yes. than guns is. If we're talking about individual lives yes. of ways that they can be protected, loss of life in America. There's loss of life through fentanyl. There's loss of life through obesity. The obesity crisis in America mm -hmm. costs six times the number of lives as guns. Right. And, and so you're the guy saying, you know what would help this? Ice cream. <laughs> So what we have here is just a rambling thing, right? The, the, we, we're now deep into a bunch of analogies, right? Because we allowed our uh, opponent to like drag us down this rabbit hole. We're just in a, we're stuck in a, in a world of loose analogies. Nothing's really being discussed. Nothing's actually being addressed. All we're doing is just throwing vague stuff against the wall and seeing who can kind of score more, more points. And it just doesn't get us anywhere. Now, this is something that happens all the time in normal conversation. When you're just sitting there talking to your buddy and you know you end up having a conversation on something like this, you probably address things in exactly this kind of way, except obviously like you're not trying to to embarrass each other. But it's very clear that he uh, very clear that this this is the kind of conversation that most people would have. But when you're having this type of conversation, when you're involved in a conversation where you are directly trying to basically dunk on your opponent, that's all you're here for, okay? then you can't have this kind of conversation. You have to stay laser focused on your points. No. So you know what would help the problem that we're facing with firearms? What? The fatherlessness crisis that we have in America. If you look at the statistics. Right. Yeah, they're 80, dying from gun deaths. 80% yeah. of school shooters. Oh, I'm having some kind of issue there real quick. But uh, while that loads up, so we can we can see that he's pivoting. Oh, maybe I'll... Uh -huh. Either came from a broken or fatherless home. Uh -huh. So you, you would say no guns for fatherless homes. No. Okay. So again, what's the only solution Stuart's ever going to give during this? Ever going to give? It's going to be take guns, right? That's it. That's all he had. No guns. I'm for the Second Amendment. I'm fine with that. I've got no problem with it, except it should probably only be with a militia. And I, the only solution I ever have is take a gun. It is, it, it's obviously this guy's point that fatherless homes are an issue, that they increase all kinds of negative outcomes, not just anything with violence. In fact, it's not just gun deaths that are killing kids in fatherless homes. It's drug addiction. It's all kinds of stuff. It's, de it's depression, deaths of despair. This is the stuff that's destroying people. And his point is that kids have that have good fathers, that have vigilant parents, that have positive male role models are far less likely to take in all kinds of dangerous routes, including ones that put them in prison and ones that actually end in gun deaths. But of course, Stuart doesn't care, right? Because because addressing the issue of fatherlessness might mean asking people to take personal responsibility or asking, you know, uh, the the government to actually help families stay together and form cohesive units. It might ask certain communities that are protected by the Democratic Party and the left to take some kind of action that might, you know, actually change the way in which they form families, the way in which they live their lives and have better outcome for their children. He doesn't want to address any of that. The only solution is get guns out, right? That's all there is to it. It's the only thing you can fall back on. 
No, that's not what I would say. Oh. I would say that fathers need to be more engaged. Great. Uh, so let's crime let a firearm if they don't have a let's father. Let's put in the more home. resources into areas that are poverty stricken. All for it. And into fatherlessness. And that's something that we're doing. But we're why doing with guns? So again, the only the only solution here otherwise is just more money into areas that are poverty stricken. As if like the only reason that children ever have you know home, homes without fathers is just poverty. I mean, that's a factor. But pretending like this is purely a monetary issue is, of course, ridiculous. But again, we're nowhere near the actual issue, right? We're nowhere near the actual issue, and that's the whole point, right? Is to is to completely keep us separated. We're only we're only appealing to emotions. Fatherless kids are dead from guns, right? We're not taught, and we're not going to address any of the other underlying problems, uh, unless, of course, we just want to pump more money into the community. If if we could fund my favorite NGO that uh, hands out political sinecures to the supporters of the Democratic Party, that's fine. That's an acceptable solution. And taking guns. Those are the two acceptable solutions. Nothing else. We're not going to have any kind of, uh, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, they just had that, um, they just had that uh, Texas, uh, I think, state rep who uh, suggested that we should have a, a, he put in a bill saying that they should reduce the the income tax or the property tax for people in Texas based on the number of children they have. Is John Stewart for that? Is is he for that building strong families? I got a, I've got a feeling he's not. I got a feeling that like a lot of people left, he would start calling that the Handmaid's Tale. How dare you encourage intact families to have more children, right? Because it doesn't pay out the people John Stewart wants paid out. It doesn't support the communities. It doesn't further the political project he wants, and so he's not going to support it. And if that, it's the the only solution. We'll just throw some more money into impoverished communities, as if we're not pumping tons of money into this. For many decades, the war on poverty hasn't been waged since the 60s with no results, right? Are you against bringing order? I'm not against bringing order. What is that question? When did you stop beating your wife? <laughs> when, when, Nathan Dom, did you start beating your wife? That's the, that question. Why are you against order? And that's exactly how he should have responded. He should have laughed at Stewart. He should have mocked Stewart. But instead, he does what so many conservatives do because he's trying to have, he's trying to be a decent human being. Again, in his defense, he's probably a great guy, right? He's just trying to be a decent human being. He says, no, of course not. I'm going to be reasonable and be rational with you. But Stewart is not being reasonable or rational in this moment. He's specifically attacking this guy's character you're for chaos you want dead kids that's what he's saying everyone understands what he's saying here he's saying you want dead kids and you don't care about them you can't respond to that rhetoric by just being like oh no i don't really want dead kids okay that that doesn't get you anywhere okay when someone brings something like that to your doorstep you need to understand you're in a hostile environment and you need to respond with something that's going to uh disarm this person or is going to uh, is going to ma your or match their level of escalation. You can't just sit there and, and be like, oh, no, I, I'm not for chaos. I'm, I'm a good guy, really. I'm, I'm, I'll agree with you at the end. You are. You're also making it less safe for cops and for people. When the police go to a domestic call, it's the most dangerous call they can go on. Mm -hmm. In your world, if they knew that there were firearms in the house, that's a safer call. So again... Oh, sorry. Let me let me get his last bit in here. It'll make more Is sense. That what you're saying? No, because police. Because why? Because so again, John Stewart is not for any of the other things that the police might want to increase their safety in this scenario, right? He doesn't support like stop and frisk. He doesn't support uh, any kind of profiling. He doesn't support any of the additional tools that police might want 
for the ability to you know, reduce uh, the, the chances that they're going to walk into a bad situation to reduce crime on the streets. He's not for any of that stuff. He's not for strengthening this. And you might not be either. You might say, look, the, the police are not my friends at this point, and I don't want them to have that power either. Fine, right? But this is just wildly inconsistent. John Stewart just doesn't like guns. He just wants guns out of the equation. He doesn't care about the tools available to police. He doesn't care about their safety in these situations. He specifically just wants guns to be off the table, which again goes against everything he said about the Second Amendment, right? If the state has the ability to seize your firearm at any time, because a police officer thinks that, you know, it might improve their ability in, in some way or their safety or something, then you just don't have a right to the thing. And fair enough, maybe you just don't. But let's be honest about it rather than saying, oh, no, I believe in the Second Amendment. I'm fine with it. And like, no, you're not. You just want the state to be able to seize a, a firearm at any time for any reason at the discretion of pretty much anyone involved. So just say that. Instead of pretending like you care so desperately about the safety of the police when you wouldn't be willing to do anything else to invest in the safety of the police when they're arriving at some domestic violence call. Because police treat every situation as a, pot a potential. But issue. more guns makes us safer. So why don't. We again, we just see this phrase over and over again. Should have never let it slide. Should have never given it to his opponent. All he does is get beaten over the head with it relentlessly. And the police go to a house filled with guns. Why don't they breathe a sigh of relief? knowing that this Second Amendment that shall not be infringed is being exercised so fruitfully. So to be clear, there are plenty of communities across America where the police are fine with people having guns. In fact, encourage people to have guns. There are sheriffs in Illinois that specifically said, we're not going to enforce the government restriction on guns in our county in which we've been elected because we specifically support the ownership of guns by our community. There are actually plenty of really high trust communities in the United States where the police are more than fine with the citizens providing additional security for the community. But Stewart doesn't like those communities. Those communities aren't the ones that he wants to prosper. He wants these, these laws enforced everywhere, even though really there are plenty of communities where they, the sheriffs would love to have the support of the people and the people to feel safe in their ability to protect themselves. I know I'm in one of these counties where the, the, the sheriff has specifically said, uh, don't mess around. The citizens of our county are armed and they will protect themselves. But Stewart just acts like every police officer has exactly the same feeling about this and that it's uniform across all communities. Maybe it's not so much the gun as the community in which the law is being enforced. In this home. Are you familiar with the 39-year-old woman in New Jersey? I'm familiar yeah. with a ton of anecdotes. Yeah. I'm no, asking not, you a this simple is, this question. This is not an anecdote, When no. the police this actually go to a house. She had a restraining order on her ex-boyfriend. I can run through I know, we can hundreds run through and hundreds of examples of women killed by their domestic partners by guns that were not taken away through uh, uh, the lessening of red flag laws. So this is just a good move by Stuart. I'll give him credit. This is exactly how you should treat people who bring in this kind of stuff. Um, uh, not, not that he's like logically consistent on this. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to bring up whatever anecdote, you know, 
serves his purpose whenever it's useful. But whenever someone brings in something like this, you just step over it because that anecdote's going to have all kinds of trailing things. You're not going to have the actual information involved. It's obviously cherry picked specifically for the purpose of the person who's making the point. I'm sure that the one that Nathan had teed up probably was a good one and probably made a good point or whatever. But Stuart's correct in his tactics here. Like you just step over that stuff. It's not useful. There's 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 no point to be one. You're just going to be sitting there listening to your uh, opponent spin a tail that just builds up his side without any kind of interaction or any kind of point that you can really make. So there's no point to sit there through this. Now you notice at the very end, he talks about red flag laws. And again, you can tell that even though Stuart uh, started with, I, I'm for the second amendment and I don't just want to take away your guns. Again, the only solution he ever has besides pumping a bunch of money through maybe you know a bunch of NGOs and, and government institutions into communities that'll give you know Democrats and leftists a bunch of jobs it, it is uh, taking away guns. That's all he's got. And red flag laws are of course extra constitutional. They, it's just a fast lane to remove a gun from someone's possession. Maybe you think that's a good thing. Maybe you think the government should just have the ability to seize someone's gun anytime they think that they're a possible threat. Okay, make that argument of sadly there are many republicans i believe dan crenshaw is one of them who agrees with this right so there are plenty of people uh i think even ron desantis has voiced uh support for this at some point which is no credit to him but don't hold me to that i'm not i don't have that right in front of me but there are plenty of republicans who have been like well no this is reasonable this is okay so it's not just Stuart here there are plenty of people who are like yeah no the government should just be able to go ahead and seize people's guns without any kind of due process look either you have the due process for the constitutional right, or you don't. You got to pick one, okay? That's all there is to it. You're pivoting but to anecdotes. No, this is not anecdotes. What the police say, if we had gun registration, if we were able to track purchases, if we are, they have a technology that every bullet would be stamped with an individual like a fingerprint. If we had an ATF that wasn't defunded, we would be able to enforce gun laws more effectively and we would be able to solve gun crimes more effectively. So yeah, if I had every single thing that a police state wanted, I could be more effective as a police state. Yeah, that's probably true, right? Like, yes, if the government has the right to secure the location and knowledge of everything all the time, uh, then, then yeah, of course, they're going to be better at apprehending the people that they want to apprehend. Maybe the people that they want to apprehend is you, right? But Stuart, they're on his team, so it's fine, right? Like, he, he knows where power lies. He understands who's actually in charge of this stuff, and he's more than happy to hand power to these people because he never expects to be at the other end of it, nor should he, really. Uh, but the point here is, of course, uh, yeah, the, the, the state would love to have the location of every firearm. And this just comes down to the hard point of this, right? Because here's the thing. Either the Second Amendment is there for... It, it, the Second Amendment is not about just the right to self-defense, which, of course, exists. You shouldn't be able to defend yourself. That's a natural right of every human being. You should be able to prevent violence to your person and to your possessions, right? But if the... Uh, but if the Second Amendment is about anything, it's not about the right to self-defense. The Second Amendment is about the right of people to protect themselves from the government. It's very clearly its intention. You don't have to guess about it. You don't just have to sit around and parse the, the location of a comma inside the Constitution or in the Bill of Rights. You can just look at the founders. You can look at the people who proposed the Second Amendment. You can look at the people who defended it. That's very clearly their intention. It's confirmed over and over again. 
maybe you think that's stupid. Maybe you're like Joe Biden and you're like, we, we can drop a, you know, a tactical nuke on someone. We can F-15 them at any moment. We can drone strike anybody. And so the Second Amendment is just outdated. It's useless. Fine. Make that argument. But make that argument. Don't make this argument. This argument is weak and lazy, okay? Either the Second Amendment is there to protect people from the government, or it's not. And if your argument is it is it's not, then just get rid of the Second Amendment and replace it with something else, which is actually what it's supposed to be. Just formalize what you're doing. I stand against it. I don't think you should be able to do it, but make the real argument and formalize what you're actually doing. Don't sit here and eat at the edges. Oh, if only the police had the power to track every single gun, then yeah, the Second Amendment would be useless. We get it. Yes, if the government has the instantaneous knowledge of where every single gun and every single bullet is, it'll have a better job at, at crushing criminals, which it won't do because it just lets because it wants those people to be free and reigning terror on its political enemies. But it will be much better at securing the you know the compliance of of any of its political enemies, which is the actual usage that would that would occur. You're against all of that because the person is the threat, not the firearm, not the knife. I get the, it. The person and the individual Great. is the one that is the concern Great. here. But you don't want anything that could help law enforcement or society determine whether or not a person is a good guy with a gun or a bad guy with a gun. Most the even... Again, Stewart doesn't want this either. Right. Stewart wants it and specifically with guns, but he doesn't want the, the state to have the ability to determine who's a good guy and a bad guy. They don't, they don't want the kind of surveillance that police want. He doesn't want the kind of ability to profile. He doesn't want the ability to stop and frisk. He doesn't want any of these things the police want. He's not generally for this. He's only for it for guns. Now, again, you might say, good, don't give him any of those powers. Fine. A reasonable argument at this point. But sitting there and Stuart pretending like it's it's these things, it's only gun laws that can possibly protect us. And none of these other things that the police would request could be any, of any use. It's just dishonest. Registry would allow you to have much more effective background checks. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why you won't just admit. So there's another clear edit there. Uh, he started a list. And then he stopped it. You hear he said, uh, more effective background checks. That's a pause. That's a comma, right? That's a verbal comma for something else. We don't get to hear the rest of it. What did he say there? Did he say something stupid? Did he get corrected? We don't know because we don't actually know what's happening here. This is an environment in con entirely controlled by Stewart. This is his frame the entire time. We don't get to know what he said, what mistakes he made, if there are any good points that were brought back by the state senator. We just don't get to go because the state senator put himself in a situation where his opponent controlled every outcome. Always foolish. That you are making it harder for police to manage the streets by allowing all of these guns to go out without permits, without checks, and without background stuff. Why? So is John Stewart against... BLM riots? Is he against Antifa riots? Is John Stewart a huge proponent of locking up Antifa and declaring them a violent hate group, locking up BLM rioters and putting serious penalties on them, declaring them a ter domestic terrorist organization? Is he for any of that stuff? No, of course not, because he doesn't care about the ability of the police to control the streets. He doesn't care about that at all. If his political allies are out there smashing windows, lighting buildings on fire, stabbing and beating people, he's got nothing to say, right? He's got nothing to say. He doesn't give a crap about the police's ability to control the streets. 
He cares about this particular issue. That's all he cares about. But he's going to grandstand it like this over and over again. Why is that hard? Why can't you just stand by that? Because that's not what I'm doing. I'm defending the individual's right to keep and bear arms. That's a different argument. Okay. Well, you may. That's, of course, not a different argument, right? Either the individual has the right to bear arms, and they have the right to purchase the arm, and the government doesn't have the right to seize it whenever they feel like it, or the individual does not have that right. It's one or the other. But again, Stewart wants to treat these as entirely separate issues because you know, he's not against the Second Amendment, except for all the times he's totally against it in every meaningful way. Hey, dude, here's here's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You want to say I'm a Second Amendment purist and I'm making it safer. You're not. You're making it more chaotic. And that's not a matter of opinion. That's the truth. That is a matter of opinion, John. But why take away their tools? Because again, so you're a Second Amendment absolutist. This should have never been the position, should not be the position, of course, that more guns make us safer. That was always a sloppy way to allow Stewart to frame this, right? But either way, he knows this isn't the argument. He knows it's not just an argument of, of safety versus order. Because again, there are plenty of places in which gun ownership is extremely high, where law enforcement is more than happy to see people owning guns, and where safety is incredibly normal, right? That's not what he's concerned about. Let's be honest. It's very specific neighborhoods, very specific parts of the country, urban areas, with high crime rates where these gun deaths are occurring. These, 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 this gun violence is not just occurring probably in Oklahoma all that much, right? But Stewart's not gonna make any of those arguments because he's not interested in that kind of solution. He's interested in the solution of securing guns from law-abiding citizens, and he knows it. Certain of their tools that they're using would be infringements upon the people's right to keep and bear arms, upon their constitutional rights, upon due so process, you're upon other things. That registering is an infringement. Yes. Okay. Is voting a right? It's a right for citizens. Yes. Do you have to do anything to do it? Yes. What do you have to do? It depends on the state. What do you? Have to do? So obviously, we see what's happening here. Once again, Stuart, he lets Stewart walk him into an example. He embraces the example. He answers the questions exactly like Stuart wants him to answer them, and he does so probably again in good faith. But he's walking directly down the path, and we all know what Stuart's going to set him up for. You, sh if you have to register to vote, you should have to register a gun, right? Like those things are exactly the same. Either way, he should have never stepped into Stewart's frame here, but he just walks right into this and he kind of deserved what he gets on this one. You have to do. Sometimes you have to, you have to be at least 18 years old. What do you have to do? And Keep in going. some places you have to uh -huh. have a government issued ID. What do you have to, you have to? You have to be on the voter rolls? Register. You have to register. Mm -hmm. So you have So by delaying saying that, like he, obviously I think he knew what Stewart was trying to get him to say there. And by avoiding saying it, he just makes himself look weak, right? Like he's not being clever here by saying every other thing that you need to do to vote. Like it's very clear that Stewart's trying to back you into a particular corner. So the only way to get out of this corner is by adjusting the frame, is attacking the frame of the discussion. You're not going to get out of this corner by just sitting there and like slowly dripping out answers that aren't the one you don't want to give. That just makes it look dishonest. It makes it look like this guy has you cornered, which he does, frankly, in this scenario. You got to be more nimble about this. You can't just accept what he's saying. You have to be able to challenge the frame of this. And if you're not prepared for that, don't step into a ring guy like this. Okay, just don't do it. You have to register to a right. Is that an infringement? Does the right to voting say shall not be infringed? 
Oh, so this is just a semantic argument now. No, it's not. You believe voting rights can be infringed because it doesn't say specifically is it shall in, not be infringed. Is it in, to be so to be clear, John Stewart started this interview with a semantic argument, right? He started with exactly this kind of argument. He said, "Oh, it says uh, well-regulated militia." So because it says well-regulated, the government has the ability to like take your guns at any time, and you have no constitutional right to them. So he started with exactly this type of argument, but now he's going to jump on him for making, I guess, the same argument. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's dishonest. But again, he just doesn't know how to push back and he kind of gets steamrolled here. An infringement upon a 17 year old's right to vote since they don't have that right to vote. No, oh, we, not an infringement on them. No, okay. ab absolutely not. Why not. You're the because you're the one making the argument, not me. I'm saying so <laughs> this is a really fascinating thing here. So for a minute, Nathan actually grabs him, right? Is it an infringement on a 17 year old's right to vote? Why not? Oh, because they don't have that right. Right. And of course, you know, 17, 18 year olds weren't able to vote initially either. Voting age was 21. So it was an infringement on the right of, of a 20 year old that only 21 year olds could vote. But Stuart just kind of like, oh, you're making the argument here, right? He, he gets backed into a corner for a second. And rather than continuing to have this discussion, Stuart knows better. He just escapes his own analogy and tries to break away. Even rights have responsibilities. And that within those responsibilities, responsibilities are responsibilities yes. and order. Otherwise, it's chaotic. I'll go you one further. You want to ban drag show readings to children. To my Why? Okay, so if you saw this clip, this is probably the part that you saw, which is where he talks about drag shows here. And we'll see why it's interesting here in a minute. Yes. Why? 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 What are you protecting? Why can we prohibit children from voting, those under 18 from voting? Why are you banning that? Is, is that free speech? Are you in? So you'll notice he says, why are you banning? And Nathan immediately says, this is why we're banning. We're banning it because it's like, grooming children we don't want that right he's very honest about what he's doing here but stewart is so used to gotching him that he just continues his same style he doesn't adjust to the thing that his interlocutor just said he just continues to try to steamroll here and this is kind of really lazy on his part this is why the this part didn't look so great for him this is this is a part that got shared a lot with conservatives it's very clear he's being dishonest here he's just he's just continuing with the same tactic he's used successfully up to this point without really addressing his issue i'm going to back this up just a little bit so we can look at this again voting those under 18 from voting, why are you banning that is is that free speech are you infringing on that performer's free speech. They can continue to exercise their free speech, just not in front of a child. Why? Because the government does have a responsibility to protect. I'm sorry? The government does have a responsibility uh -huh. in certain instances to What's protect What's the children. leading cause of death amongst children in this country? And I'm going to give you a hint. It's not drag show readings to children. So, <laughs> Stuart just made the argument. He literally just made the argument a few minutes ago that you can't ban fentanyl or that you that you should be able to ban guns before you solve the fentanyl problem right he specifically said oh you think the fentanyl problem has like double the deaths of guns so why but why are you saying that we can't ban guns until or restrict guns whatever you know he only talks about banning guns this whole time but whatever uh wh why can't uh why can't we go ahead and do whatever gun legislation i want until we do the fentanyl. Why can't we solve this problem until we solve that problem? And then what does he do right here? Oh, you can't solve this problem until you solve that problem, right? We can't ban drag shows for children if we're not willing to ban guns. 
Okay, but you literally just made the argument a few minutes ago that we should be able to ban one thing and not the other. We should be able to address one issue even if we can't address the other immediately. So if I can address the issue of drag shows for children and it is deleterious to children, then I should be able to go ahead and do that whether or not we have then decided to also violate people's second amendment rights. Those two issues, we should be able to work on both if that's the real, if that's the standard. But of course it's not, right? And then he makes the, of course, insane insertion assertion that drag shows don't kill anyone so we shouldn't be able to ban them uh okay so the only time that the government has any interest in protecting children is only if things specifically kill children so if someone you know is predatory to a child but doesn't kill them we shouldn't ban that behavior no of course not that's insane right that that, that would never stand up with any argument but that's exactly the argument he makes here is we should be able to do this, right? We, we, should be, we should not be able to ban this just because it doesn't kill children. And we should be able to ban this other thing, even if it violates a constitutional right, because, you know, no children would die from gun violence if you ban guns. That's just how it works, right? We, we know that's got to be the case because it works so well in Chicago. Correct. Yes. So what is it? I'm presuming you're going to say it's firearms. No, I'm not going to say it like it's an opinion. That's what it is. It's firearms, more than cancer, more than car accidents. And what you're telling me is you don't mind infringing free speech to protect children from this amorphous thing that you think of. But when it comes to children that have died, you don't give a flying fuck to stop that because that shall not be infringed. So he's just now he's just jumped on the soapbox, right? And he revealed he just masks off all over on this one. So first, he's very clear now he doesn't care at all about the Second Amendment. And he doesn't care at all about uh, about, uh, you know, the rights of the, the civil rights of people being infringed. He does not care. The only thing that matters, according to Stewart, is children that die with gun deaths and none of the other things that he's been talking about. None of the other things he's danced around matters, right? He's on a soapbox. I care about children. You don't, you're standing on, I'm going to stand on the backs of these dead kids and I'm going to take your constitutional rights. And either you agree with that or you're a monster, right? This is like uh, when Pierce Morgan tried to um, ambush uh, 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 Ben Shapiro with uh, the, the guy, the, the child in the wheelchair, right? From the gun, from the gun death thing, uh, from the shoot school shooting. Like he, he is specifically just going to stand on the box of these kids and declare your constitutional rights are over because I say so. And if you don't agree with that, you're just a horrific person. Here's the really interesting thing about this. Let, I'm going to show you what uh, Stuart's referencing here, right? So let, let's take a look at uh, what he is actually referencing. So Stuart is looking at this study here okay and we can watch why are gun deaths up when did this happen what, what's going on here so he he gets up there oh more than cancer more than motor vehicle crashes well let's look at motor vehicle crashes so we can see that there's a drastic reduction in motor vehicle crashes as mortality rate for children that's awesome right that's good news right but it's not that gun deaths spiked up almost at any time during that decrease. They stayed more or less steady. They went down, they came back up, they went down, they came up to basically the same point. So this story is not about the increase of gun deaths over time. 
It's the story about the decrease of motor vehicle crashes, killing children, which should be celebrated, right? That's awesome. But that's not what Stuart cares about. He doesn't care about the fact that fewer children are actually dying from motor vehicle crashes. And over the same time of that drastic drop of the deaths of children during those motor vehicle crashes dropping, that the gun deaths stay more or less the same. They, they, they go up some, they go down some, but they kind of just keep returning to a peak and then going back down for most of this, right? He doesn't care. That, that's not what he's interested in. Here's another thing that gives lie to what Stuart's talking about when you actually look at the statistics he's referencing, okay? When you actually look at the statistics he's referencing, you see that, again, over this time, the gun deaths go up, they go down, they go up, they go down, even as gun ownership probably increases. So, again, the increase in gun ownership over this 20-year period doesn't seem to have any kind of significant impact on the number of gun deaths for children it has pretty much no impact over this time. So his whole theory of more guns equal more children dead doesn't actually hold. However, we will see there is a drastic spike right here in 2019. And all of a sudden, gun deaths, which had kind of held steady uh, on like a peak here from 2016, 17, all of a sudden they jump up around 2020. Now, I've heard some people call this into question. They say that this stat isn't legitimate. Again, we can get into the veracity of the stats all day, but just assuming for a moment that he's correct about this stat being reliable, obviously gun ownership didn't just like drastically spike in 2019. It's not like Sig Sawyer or, you know, uh, uh, S&P just like dropped a massive, uh, uh, shipment of guns on the country it's not, it's not like uh you know all of a sudden colt just started sprinkling 45s across the country and gun deaths skyrocketed gun ownership generally steadily increases in america it was probably doing so this entire time but the increase suddenly happened in 2019 so yes technically we probably went from some level of gun ownership to some slightly more elevated level of gun ownership between 2019 and 2023 but what else happened? Is there any other trends that we could think about that probably was far more likely to have an impact on child gun deaths? Well, yeah, actually, there are huge amounts of things, like the fact that we have prosecutors that have decided to stop actually locking up criminals, violent criminals. We have many people, again, sadly, some even in the Republican Party, that think that they're going to make friends with different communities by releasing criminals onto the streets early, right? And so all of a sudden, the number of people incarcerated for these crimes is lessened, right? The people in, fewer people are getting serious sentences. Prosecutors often backed by people like George Soros are specifically handing out lesser sentences on a regular basis, making these crimes incredibly common on the streets. Also, we start to see the lack of policing for small smaller crimes, right? We start seeing basically the legalization of shoplifting in many major urban areas. We see the police stop responding sometimes because they simply can't, uh, but also because uh, they've been told specifically not to to different lower crimes. And we know from experience that if you don't police the lesser crimes, crimes in areas skyrocket. Guess what else happened around 2020? Oh, yeah, that's right the summer of George Floyd, where police learned 
that you don't go into certain areas and you don't engage certain people. Because if you go in and something happens and the person that you are arresting is of the wrong color and that gets spread around on social media, you might be the guy who starts the next riot. You might spend the next 15, 20 years of your life in jail after sparking some national crime wave that Jon Stewart's not going to talk about. He's not going to address because you did this. And so guess what? Those communities aren't policed. And when those communities aren't policed, the gun deaths in those communities, which is where the gun deaths are, okay, they're not, they're not in the middle of rural Montana. Those gun deaths are happening in the very communities that are having their policing reduced by these efforts, okay? And so what we see is Stewart ends this by referencing a stat that doesn't prove anything that he was talking about. He specifically and maliciously avoids all the other contributing factors and all the other things that are likely involved in inflicting this on people. And he just says, gun deaths are up. There are more guns. Therefore, you don't give a F about kids and you're just willing to let people die. I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy at the end, right? So this is how we see how Stewart does this. And he does this all the time. And then again, the, the moral of this story is if you are a conservative, you're a Republican, you're somebody in the public eye, do not, do not, do not walk into this stuff, okay? Don't go on to The Daily Show or whatever Stewart's calling his new version of this. He has no interest in talking to you. He has no interest in convincing you. He's not an honest actor. He's not an interlocutor that's going to be trying to, you know, go back and forth and look at your arguments. He's not going to do any of that stuff, okay? He's there to dunk on you. He's there to embarrass you. He's there to edit you dishonestly and take your clips out of context. Apparently, there's a full interview. Maybe, again, those edits... We're all for time. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that's the case. He has a history of dishonest editing. So maybe that's not the case. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, it, it doesn't seem like our state senator there was a particularly gifted orator. So I can believe in this case that he probably just walked into all of the traps that Stewart sets. But that's the point. You shouldn't be putting yourself in this position. And if you are going to put yourself in this position, you should only do so for the explicit purpose of wrecking Stewart. Okay. You shouldn't be going in there trying to have a calm, winsome conversation where you stick to the facts and logic and your opponent. No. Okay. This guy is going to come in hot. He's going to come in dishonest. You know, he's going to bend over backward to destroy you in every way he can. You should be ready for that. You should be prepared. If you're going to put yourself in this situation, you probably shouldn't put yourself in the situation at all, but if you're going to bring it, okay, don't just walk up in there and say, Oh, well, no problem. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, grab the super chats here. We've got a few of them. Let me go ahead and grab those real quick. Atraxia for $2. Gun control is using both hands. That's right, guys. Make sure that you are practicing proper gun control. Always secure your firearm with both hands. Let's see here. Make sure I grab all these. Uh, Cripper Weirdo for $5. Hour-long interview cut down to eight minutes. Hmm, why would they do that? Yeah, exactly, right? Again, I have not watched a full-hour interview. Maybe maybe Stewart does just, you know, roll him the whole time. It's possible, but again, we look at those edits. We know how severely he does this. He has a long history of these kind of edits. You should not put yourself in this position. If you got to debate these people, it needs to be on neutral ground. It needs to be live or it needs to be in some way where they do not have control of the situation. Do not put yourself in hostile territory with people who have total control of what you look like. That's a fool's errand. 
Uh, let's see. Watario Vids for $5. Thank you very much. Anyone giving John Stewart an interview at this point doesn't know what he's going to pull on them is incredibly blind or naive. Yeah, it really is. It really is a mistake, right? And I, I again, I don't know. I feel you feel like he is desperate for people at this point, like no mainstream conservative and no, no mainstream uh, uh, politician at this point is kind of foolish enough to walk into this blender. So it, it had to have been, you know, there's a reason that you're getting a state Senator from Oklahoma. It's probably the only person who he could kind of fool into this, but yes, everyone should, this should be just like GOP boot camp one Oh one. Okay. Don't put yourself in these situations. Uh, Creeper weirdo for $2, but my centrist buddy says, yeah, again, you, you know, he's probably putting himself in this situation because he feels like Jon Stewart's got a big audience and I can, I, you know, I've got the the uh, force of argument on my side. I'm telling the truth. So these people will eventually be swayed. I can reach out to these centrist audience. But again, when you know this person has total control over what is being said, when you know this person is going to be able to control everything that you're talking about, you should know that you're really not going to get the opportunity to kind of speak to his audience in a honest way. See, uh, creeper weirdo here for five dollars. Look closely, and you can see George Soros over his shoulder feeding him money and talking points. Yeah, again, amazing that we're not noticing that that these George Soros prosecutors are contributing directly to more violent people being on the street. Right? Again, we know that's the case. Uh, that's that's directly what they're doing. At at no point does Stewart even mention this because, of course, that's not the goal, right? We're here to dunk on somebody. We're here to push gun control. We're not actually interested in any kind of wider discussion on why society is this way. He certainly doesn't want to address uh, issues of fatherlessness. He doesn't want to address issues in specific communities. He doesn't want to uh, talk about disparities in violence. He doesn't want to talk about communities in which gun ownership is a total positive and the sheriffs and law enforcement are fine. He doesn't want to talk about the fact that the left and, and the Democrats and the media have been pushing for early releases, reductions in penalties, uh, lack of prosecution, and all these things that are going to lead to far more violent criminals being on the street and committing these crimes. John Stewart's going to stand on his soapbox. He's going to tell about how you don't give an F about kids. But what he's definitely not going to do is actually do anything that shows he gives an F about the issue, right? He's not going to take it seriously. It's all about grandstanding. It's all about this one issue. He's not willing to entertain any other subject during the debate. And to, and to his credit, for what he's doing, that's exactly what he should do. Because he he's not he's not there to convince the state senator. He knows he's not going to convince the state senator. He's not there to convince any of the state senator's audience or any of their constituents. He's there to embarrass this guy and make it look to people in the center and to the left like there is no intelligent opinion and that he's just this master class debater that can destroy these people because they're so stupid and they're so easy to run rings around. Uh, let's see. Uh, Atraxia uh, for $10. New full auto... Uh, uh, machine guns were legal up until May 86. Kids brought guns to buses and lockers here in in uh, Kentucky. No mass shootings. The only uh, way to fix this is to have people care about the sanctity of human life. Yeah, I mean, of course, right? This is a huge point that, of course, they're never going to address, which is why are mass shootings a thing now? And the answer is a lot of stuff, right, is social media and media coverage are huge parts of this. People can become celebrities and go out in a blaze of glory. That's a massive part of this. And these firearms existed 
way you know back in the 80s the 70s and the, we did not have this stuff right so the things that have changed over time is not just the accessibility of these firearms in fact there are far more restrictions on who can own something like a fully automatic weapon in the united states and that has not changed the fact that we're getting these mass shootings in fact the number of mass shootings you know is much much higher than it was in something like the 1980s of course it depends on how you define mass shootings obviously the they specifically avoid pointing to things like gang shootings and things uh as mass shootings only uh shootings that are done predom predominantly by white students in in schools count as mass shootings nothing else does uh that they specifically avoid those statistics to make sure that we don't have the wrong narrative there mixed up uh let's see i think we got at least one more Super chat here. Oh, a couple more. Uh, uh, Thug out here for $10. What do drag shows have to do with freedom of speech? Well, you should ask David French. I've been told that they're a blessing of liberty. Yeah, again, obviously we know that the state has the ability uh, to limit uh, these uh, these kind of performances, especially to children, right? Uh, that's been uh, upheld many times by the Supreme Court. Uh, this would have been a very common thing uh, if you had tried to show anyone this kind of performance and say that it should be presented to a child through almost all of human history. They would have, you know, they would they would have become very angry with you, and and there probably would have been very immediate consequences for your desire to expose children to this, um, regardless of what the, the law was. But the law would have totally backed them up <laughs> on on the inappropriateness of uh, that kind of presentation to a child. George Washington, you know, the, the Thomas Jefferson, uh, these guys would not have understood free speech as drag shows, uh, story time or whatever. And so, uh, it, it's very clear that it has nothing to do with it. Uh, and the state has total interest in reg in regulating, protecting children from that. But again, John Stewart's not going to take both sides of that argument, right? He's not going to be like, okay, I am fine with gun control. And also I'm going to ban this stuff. Same thing with the border, all this stuff. It's wildly dishonest. He said, he's trying to show, the GOP uh, state senator as a hypocrite without at any point addressing the fact that he's totally hypocritical on all of these issues at every point, because it's not about hypocrisy. It's about hierarchy. Uh, Adam E for $5. We've seen uh, how voter registration has been manipulated for desired outcomes. So why wouldn't gun registration? Excellent point. Really good one, Adam, actually there. Yeah, right. We know that voter registration is manipulated uh, and that that has had significant impacts on elections. I'm still not sure what YouTube feels about that. So we're, we're just going to say that elections have been uh, fortified uh, with voter registration on a regular basis. So yeah, uh, and this is what the left is all about, right? They want this power so they can manipulate procedural outcomes, right? This power is secured initially to only be used in a specific, specific scenario in a particular way. And then over time, the people who control the system are able to manipulate it and go through the procedure and show that, you know, well, actually these people were violating it, even though that was not the initial intention or whatever. And now the state just punishes its enemies with this power over and over again. So yes, you're 100% right. That you know, you you let a red flaw, a red red flag law happen, and then it turns out that uh, you know the FBI investigates anyone who goes to a Latin mass, and so actually going to a traditional Catholic service red flags you, right? And all of a sudden, this thing that was supposed to initially stop violent crime is now just a tool of the regime to uh, de-arm anyone they think might disagree with them. 
Uh, glow in the dark for two dollars. Framing is seventy-five to ninety percent of any argument. Yeah, see, that's the thing. If you're in an argument, if, if you're specifically in an argument, you're in a debate. Framing is everything, right? And it, that shouldn't be the case in an actual conversation with someone who is really interested in your opinion and wants to have their mind changed and wants to understand things. You should be able to work inside like an honest and mutual frame, right? But if you're not, if you're at odds, and the person who you are talking with doesn't like what you're saying, uh, they're going to reframe, right? And you need to understand that you have to be ready for that. You cannot expect someone to be honest on this kind of issue. Glow in the dark here for $10. You need to make a video or article about Jon Stewart or people like him about his tactics and tricks for education purposes. Give examples from old videos to show he always was this slimy man. Thank you very much, Glow in the Dark. Yeah, I thought about this, but that's why I actually started this series because I felt like it was better to break these things down, right? So I feel like it's more useful to like read these articles, talk about what's happening, uh, go ahead and uh, you know start and stop the video so we can interject and like pick this apart. If I do it in an article, it's a little more complicated. It's harder to pull apart pieces of media quite the same way when you do it in purely written form. So that's actually why I thought about doing a written written series on it. But I actually decided to turn these into live streams because I just feel like it's a it's a far more effective way to kind of do the thing that you're talking about. But I do hope these things are helpful. I hope understanding this, why the rhetoric is used the way it is, why these people approach the way they do, how they use these tactics. It's helpful for people to break down and understand kind of why this is dishonest and why you need to prepare for that. That said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you, everyone, for coming by. Thank you so much for the Super Chats. Appreciate everybody who stopped by. If this is your first time here, of course, please make sure that you are subscribing. Please make sure that you are uh, going to the Oren McIntyre show for your podcast platforms like Apple or Spotify, and you're going there, you're subscribing, you're giving ratings and reviews that really helps with all the algorithms. Of course, guys, you can catch all of this stuff on Blaze uh, TV. And I believe my newest column for the Blaze will probably be up today. I think they're putting it out today. If not, it'll be up tomorrow morning, but I think it'll be out today. So you should check that out as well. And I believe that Academic Agent is starting his stream right now. So if you want to go over and check out Academic Agent's stream, if you want to go ahead and watch that, you should definitely do that as well. Thanks for coming by, guys. And as always, I'll talk to you next time.